Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message is a continuation in the series, Jesus' Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. All right, let's take our Bibles this morning. We're looking in the Gospel of Luke. We've been going through Gospel of Luke. We're looking today in chapter 14. Here we have Jesus being invited as a guest to a dinner, and you would think that that would be a, um, a big and exciting thing. But yet, it's actually people are inviting Jesus because they, they want to really trap Him. They want to have reason to be able to criticize. And so it looks like it's going to be uh, some evening. And so we're going to take a look at some of the details. Now, actually, a lot is written about that happened that day. So we're, what we're going to do is just kind of introduce the verse that introduces each section. But all that we're looking at happened at that dinner that evening. So we're going to pick up in verse 1. So if you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 14, verse 1. It said, Now it happened, as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. So you get the idea that they didn't invite him because he's a friend. They invited him because they're, they're looking to be able to catch him. So verse 7, move down to verse 7. So Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. And when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them. So basically, these Pharisees, they really like to be seen. And he's just pointing that out. We're moving down to verse 12. Move down to verse 12 with me. It said, then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends or your brothers or relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And then we're going to look at verse 15. Now one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, and he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And let's pause and have prayer again together. Lord, thank you for letting us come. It's always a joy to study your word, and may you allow your word to be able to continue to have an impact on each one of us. Lord, it never goes out void. And Lord, may that be true in each of our lives. May you help us to be attentive. May we be focused today. And may your Holy Spirit just be able to speak to each of our hearts. We're all at different places. There's a lot of different things going on in each of our lives. And yet, Lord, that's the remarkable thing about your word. Lord, you can be able to take it and touch each one of us. And so I just ask, Lord, that you would just allow it to go forth with power today. And may we be different because of that. We thank you, Lord, for this time. And we ask your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in uh, 2000, uh, Johnny Hart, who does the comic strip BC, did a series that year on Daniel, the prophet Daniel. One of those comic strips, there's a scene in which caveman, he comes out, he said, we have found an old scroll uh, in a secret cave. And then in the next one, he says, a man named Daniel predicted the exact time that Jesus would come into the holy city. And by the way, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in a cave, and the book of Daniel was a part of that find. So in the next scene, there's a man that says, What Daniel? <laughs> and then there's two of them that stand in there, and they go, 
roar like a lion, you know. And he said, oh, that Daniel. Because see, everybody knows about Daniel and the lion's den. Everybody knows about that. And here's the thing. That Daniel knew about Jesus. And that Daniel, he did. He predicted when Jesus would come into Jerusalem. Isn't that fascinating? And here we are in Jesus' life. And you would think that the religious rulers, those that studied Scripture, would be saying, you know, it's time for the Messiah to show up. And they would be looking. And the person that did what Jesus did, they would say, you know, that could be. That could be Him. But instead... They were taken back by Jesus because they weren't as good as they thought they were. And so instead of celebrating Jesus, they thought, hmm, he can't be him. And so they're looking to catch him. And so they invite Jesus to come and have a meal with them. You know, the interesting thing is they set this trap. But Jesus... He knows people's hearts. I find it interesting that Jesus said yes to the invitation. He accepted the invitation, even though it was from His enemies. And you see Jesus doing that a lot. I wonder why He did that. Have you ever thought about that? Why did Jesus accept this invitation from these guys, knowing that they're going to trap Him? Whenever they'd have these dinners... A lot of people would come that wasn't invited, and they would gather around and be able to look in. I believe that Jesus, one reason He accepted this dinner is because He wanted to be able to share truth with other people. There's many Pharisees that study Scripture. Some of them needed to be able to hear about what hypocrisy was going on. Some of them, if shown, would have been seeking after truth and may have wanted to change. So Jesus gracefully accepts and he shows up at this dinner. And you know, one of the great things about what we see Jesus doing is he doesn't change. Do you know that Jesus is? He's the same. And although you've got all these religious rulers wanting to pressure him to compromise, he doesn't compromise. Can I tell you something? If you and I, all of us agree together that we wanted to change some of the Bible. We just say, hey, we're going to vote on it. And we want to throw this part out. God's not going to change. His Word stands as it is. And people may attack it and say, hey, I don't believe it. But His Word stands. And it doesn't matter what we say. We're not going to pressure Him to change. And Jesus, in spite of the fact that He's there and He's in the minority... He's not going to give in. I think it's good if you can be able to withstand some of the pressure, and it's hard today, to be able to stand for Christ, to stand for truth, for what's right. Young people, you're going to college, some of you, and you're going to be in some classes where some conversations are going to come up. It's good to be able to know what you believe. I hope you can have the courage to be able to stand up and say, hey, I, I don't believe that. Here's what I believe. But even if you don't go to college, you'll be in some conversations sometime or another where people will, will say some things that's just not true. 
I hope you have the courage to stand up. I hope you know what the Bible teaches. I hope you know what you believe. So Jesus stands up. You know, what's interesting is Jesus asks a question. Instead of being on the defensive, he goes on the offensive. When Jesus is at a party, he's, he's the center. And he asks a question. Because what they've done is they've set a man here who has a dropsy. That's basically where you have fluid that's built up on the inside. It's hard to breathe. Some, some think it's related to some heart condition. And they've set him up outside there. And it's the Sabbath. They think you can't heal on the Sabbath, that it would be wrong. And so they've set him up there because they want Jesus to be able to sin. So Jesus just asked a question. He said, is it okay to do good, to heal, to help somebody on the Sabbath? Well, they don't answer. They don't answer the question. And you know why they don't answer? If they answer... If they say, yes, it's okay, then they defeated their purpose. If they say no, then it may give the appearance that they don't care about these individuals. By the way, uh, part of the reason they did this is because in the Bible, there's seven different times where Jesus heals on the Sabbath. For example, there's Luke 4, 38, Peter's mother-in-law, and there Jesus heals her. On the Sabbath, in Luke 6, 6, there's a man with a withered hand. Jesus heals him. In Luke chapter 13, there's a woman that's been bent over for 18 years that Jesus heals. In John chapter 5, verse 9, there's the paralytic man at the pool of Bethsaida. In John 9, 14, there's the, the man that was born blind at birth. And then in Mark 1, verse 21, there's the demon-possessed man that uh, was healed at the synagogue. And then there's this incident. So seven different times, Jesus heals someone. <laughs> so when he does so, this time Jesus, he heals, and then he says, listen, let me ask you something. If an ox fell into a pit, a well, your ox on the Sabbath, would you save it? And you know, if it was your son... Would you pull him out? Well, of course you would. You put more value over an animal than you do over human beings. You know, today we do just that. Today we have devalued life. That's how come that you see so much of the violence that we do. People don't have respect for life. It is important that we understand we're created in the image of God. Every single person is valuable. Jesus Christ came to this world and died on a cross for every single person here, every single person that's lived, that's living, that's lived. We should value human life. We should teach it. Today we've lost respect for human life. Jesus heals that man. And, and so he, he tells the man, he said, listen, you go on now. He doesn't make him stay there. He knows that there's people that are critical. And he, this man's been healed. He said, you go on. Then Jesus gives an observation. Now you can already sense this is a big dinner. He noticed something about the Pharisees and, as they come in. 
We're told here in verse 1 it was a ruler of the Pharisees. This is a big man that's having this dinner. But he notices something. He begins to observe. I'm not very observant. You can fool me. Jesus is pretty observant. <laughs> and he notices that these fellows are trying to get the best seats. Remember, his own disciples would have arguments. wonder who the greatest is. These guys were trying to let everybody know, you know, I'm pretty special. I'm moving up in ranks. And so they're trying to get the best seats. So Jesus notices and makes this observation. He, the Bible tells us here that he shares with them a parable there in verse 7. But basically, here's what Jesus tells them. He says, fellas, you know... Uh, if you went to a wedding and you take the best seats, he said, that's not really wise. Because what if somebody comes in that's really attached to the family or is more important, and then they have to come to you and say, hey, you need to move. Kind of like Bob Euchre, you know, those old Hey, buddy, you're in the wrong seat. Well, time to move. I'm going to move you down. He said, that's embarrassing. He said, but you know, it would really be good if you set down way down low and they come up and said hey we don't want you sitting here we want to move you up you're more important than that he said see that would that would be better and so he summed up basically verse 11 I didn't read verse 11 but Jesus summed it up he said this for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted by the way you know the book of Proverbs said don't boast about yourself let somebody else do it let somebody else lift you up, not yourself. But if a person's humble, then you are the one that will be exalted. William Barclay wrote about a fella. His last name was Cain. He, he was a principal of a religious school. He named the town. I didn't write the town down. And anyway, he said people loved him. And he said anytime this fella went anywhere, he was just courteous. He always had to be the last one in. They loved to hear him speak. Great speaker. He said one time they were, he was going to speak and they introduced him and there was all these applause and he just couldn't believe it was for him and there was a person behind him and so he said, I think they want you and he sent him on out and he, he was clapping along with them. And, but they just said this fellow was, everybody loved him because he had such humility. Such humility. And that's what Jesus is pointing out here. If you're just so full of pride as they were, you're going to fall. But if you really want to be something, be humble, and then you can be exalted. Well, then Jesus turns and gives some advice. He gives some advice to the guy that's hosting this party. And I just want you to think about it. Whenever you eat together, you have a meal, it really is supposed to be a sign of friendship. But if you're hosting a meal, and you're there trying to trap somebody else, that's not really being a friend. And if you're hosting a meal and there are people there that it's not that they're friends, they're in competition with each other and they're trying to prove I'm better than you, I'm trying to one-up you. Remember my brother telling me going to a, this dinner party and he said, every time I would say something, this one guy had to top it. You know, you'd bring up a point, a trip that you'd been on, he had something better. So Jesus looks at this fellow, he said, I'm going to give you some advice. When you have a party, 
instead of inviting all these people who in turn are going to have to do something for you, you can invite some people that can't repay you. You can invite some people that are needy, handicapped, poor, and you can have a party for them. And he said, you might not be rewarded down here, but your heavenly Father, he's going to reward you. He'll take care of you. He'll bless you. You could do that. See, that was unheard of. You know, I know people today that at Christmas time, instead of drawing names and giving out presents, they, they decide, you know, I'm going to get a present for somebody else, that, for a family that needs it. And I'm going to honor the Lord and I'm going to honor somebody else. I'm going to do it in your name. And that's your gift, is I'm helping somebody else that needs it. I know some people that when they go to a restaurant, they always decide we're going to help somebody else. For somebody in that restaurant we feel like maybe could use their meal paid for, we're going to do it. And so there's just people that are generous in that matter. And Jesus gives some advice. Well... If you're at a dinner party and Jesus gives that kind of advice, how do you think the tension's going to be? <laughs> it's not going as what they had planned. And so somebody shouts out. And so we get that in verse 15. Here's what they shout out. They say, Now, uh, when one of those who sit at the table had heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. So somebody just shouts out and said, you know what's really going to be great? When we get to heaven and we're all there together and you get to eat with the Lord. That leads Jesus to a parable. And so Jesus begins to share a parable. He said there was a man that was going to have this big old banquet, huge banquet. And so he invited people to that banquet. Now, usually in those days, when you invited people to a banquet, you would send out an invitation quite early. And people would either agree. And then, as it got closer, you would give them a reminder. So he sends out this reminder to people. And then he has people say, and he, Jesus gives the examples here. He said, there's one person that says, and by the way, this is verse 18, if you've got your Bible open. One person says, I bought some land, and I need to go look at that land, and so I can't come. Somebody else says, I've bought five oxen, and I need to go, and I need to be able to make sure they're good oxen. I can't come. Somebody else says, you know, I've been married recently, and I'm just not going to be able to come. And so they've got all these excuses. I want you to think about something. If you buy land, pay a good price for it, would you ever buy land without ever looking at it? If you bought five oxen, don't you think that you might try them out? When people got married, it's true, you were exempt from the army. You were, there's a lot of military, you was exempt from a lot of stuff but you still had to live life. In other words, these individuals were making excuses. Let me tell you something. Mark this. Basically, we do what we want to do. Do you know that? We set our priorities, and basically we're going to do what we, we're going to do. Bruce Larson said this. He read this passage. He said, you know what I thought about? 
I thought about my quiet time. He said, I'm not very, I wasn't very consistent with it. And he said, I always had excuses. Well, Lord, I've got this going on. I've got this happening. I, can't, I just can't do the quiet time. And he said, if, I, he just felt the Lord speaking to him and saying, well, you find time to eat. You find time to sleep. You find time to play golf. You see, you basically, if something's important to you, you find time for it. I'm just not as important to you as those things. That's a whole different perspective, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting when somebody says, well, you know, I'd be at church, but the ox is in the ditch. Every Sunday? Every service? You see, I understand things take place, and you can't always come understand that. But I, I also sometimes I understand that we do what we want to do. We set our priorities. And that's what Jesus is pointing out here. We've got plenty of excuses of why we can't serve God. Why it is that I can't go the extra mile, why I can't help somebody. Lord, I, I would speak up for you, but... And we've got our excuses. And that's what they are, excuses. Well, you know what's interesting about this? In verse 21, it said that the master was kind of angry. Can you believe that? Do you think that you have made the Lord angry sometimes with some of our choices? He's angry. He said, I'll tell you what you do. You go out and you get the maim. You get those that are poor. You get those that are handy. You invite them. I'm telling you, people didn't do that. They invite them. They come back. They said, there's still room. Can I tell you something about heaven? Somebody said, you know, heaven one day is going to fill up, and then that'll be it. Well, that's not true. There's plenty of room in heaven. You say, I don't know if there's room for me. There's room for you. Jesus died for you. Your sins were paid for upon the cross. You can be forgiven. The Lord wants you in heaven. The question is, are you willing to confess your sin? Are you willing to be able to turn from your sin? Are you willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Because He's the only way to heaven. It's just Him, nobody else. But there's room in heaven for you. But what we find is, and Jesus ends this parable. He just says, you know, there's basically, there's people that's not going to be in heaven. These people, he ends up saying, verse 24, For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. There's going to be a lot of people missing that we thought were going to be there. You know, D.L. Moody died in 1899. The very last sermon that he preached was on this passage of Scripture. very last one. He wasn't in very good health. He told his friends in Chicago, he said, You know, I've got to go. I've got to go to Kansas City. There's people that need to be saved. And he was determined he was going. So he got up to preach. and In fact, he was dizzy. He had to hang on to something be able to preach. He preached on this very passage. Fifty people responded. There's fifty people that were saved. Last message that he had preached. And I was just reading about that and I was just thinking, boy, he could have made excuses. 
I can't already get up. I can't go. But eternity, he knew that this life is really not what is so important. It's about eternity. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about serving God. It's about preparing for that. That's how D.L. Moody lived. And that's what we say we believe. But many times we don't live exactly like we say. But we want to match up. We, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to become. We want to be able to make a difference for eternity. You know, Jesus told us, this, was, this whole chapter here is just about that dinner. It must have been something else. And I'm sure there were people there that like, oh, this didn't turn out like what I thought. Sometimes when we come to church, it's not exactly like what we thought. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is dealing with us and moving with us, upon us and providing conviction. We're like, I'm not very comfortable. Because there's a lot of those people that weren't very comfortable. But Christ was presenting the truth. And He gave them an opportunity to be able to respond to it. Those that did, although they may have not been uncomfortable at that time, down the road they were comfortable. They could be at peace. The question is, do you have peace in your life? It's not whether you're uncomfortable today, but do you have peace? You certainly don't want to be uncomfortable on the day of judgment. You don't want to be uncomfortable when death is approaching. You want to be able to have a peace. So when that day comes, you're ready for it. And it's not just a peace that you have, but others have about you. And so today we're going to have a time of invitation. You know, it's a time to put down our excuses. It could be you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And here's an opportunity for you to come to receive Christ. It could be that as a Christian you just made excuses after excuse of why you can't do this or that. And today is a chance for you to be able to come and say, Lord, forget the excuses. I want to serve you. There may be some things going on in your life that are real, that are difficult, and you just want to come and pray. Jesus loved you. He loved that person that was set before Him. Jesus loved those that others thought were outcasts. They were important to Him, and you're important to Him. And today you might want to come and be able to seek just His comfort and help. The altar's going to be open. We're going to have prayer together, so let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank You so much for Your letting us come today to study Your Word, to honor You. Thank You for each person that's here. Such wonderful people. Every single person, Lord, You love. Every single person, regardless of what's going on in their life, You're concerned about. And I just ask that Your Holy Spirit would just make that real to us. And Lord, that we would be able to today draw close to You. You said if we'll draw near to You, You'll draw near to us. I ask that each one of us, Lord, could be able to sense Your presence and draw near. And Lord, there may be some that You want to be able to make a public decision, to be able to take a step of faith. And I ask that You'd give them courage to be able to do that just this morning. May Your will be done in our lives, and we ask Your blessings now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Pastor Jim England. If you missed a sermon or would like to re-listen to a message, 
You can find Brother Jim on Spotify, Google, and Apple under Stony Point Podcast with Jim England. God bless you.